Hello, welcome to Interdependent Study, our podcast where we engage in the learning and unlearning work for social justice and collective liberation. I'm Aaron. And I'm Damien. Thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. For those new to our podcast, Interdependent (laughs) Study is meant to be a space and community for folks who believe in and want to do the work of social justice. You are so funny. Each week, we'll bring something new to the table and discuss our thoughts and feelings about it through the lenses of who we are and where we can go for a more just society. I am, but looks aren't everything. We want Interdependent Study to be a space we're always learning with one another. Damien, you're up this week. What are you bringing to the table today? I'm going to try to pull it together. (laughs) Um, So for today's episode, I can't believe you. I have brought an op-ed to the table for us today. Um, The piece is called U.S. Fascism is Spreading Under the Guise of, quote, Patriotic Education. And it was written by Henry A. Garreau, uh, who is a professor up in Canada at McMaster University. And also an author of just like a prolific author of so many articles and books about topics ranging from things like fascism, obviously, to race, to politics, um, pop culture and the media, politics of public education and and higher education and just so, so, so much more. Uh, So he's obviously researched and produced just lots of great work. Um, So the piece we read for today's episode was published uh, actually earlier this month on Truthout's website. So if Mm -hmm. you're listening and want to check it out, you can go there to find it. And honestly, I think this was a really incredible piece. It was so thorough. um, And, you know, I think he did such a great job in analyzing the connections between the recent state-sponsored attacks on black people in this country, you know, in marginalized communities um, and the attacks on public and higher education in this country and sort of how how those attacks, how those wars really have evolved over mm. the years. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this is really such a critically important topic and issue for us to talk about. And I think I mentioned this last week when I introduced this, but it's also such an important issue because we know how imperative imperative it is, I think, to name and call out fascism when we see it and when it's happening. Yeah. You know, in 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 the case of what this piece is talking about, sort of boldly and in plain sight um, in lots of places and and really try our best to do whatever it takes to make it clear that this isn't what we want and we mm-hmm. won't stand for it, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, this was great. I'm super excited to hear what you thought of it. What uh, what stood out to you? Yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was some really great analysis that aligns with some of the other articles we've brought to the table yeah. um, about the sort of fascist creep of state control of um, education and libraries and, and other mm-hmm. aspects mm-hmm. of that right-wing control that they're trying to expand. Um in fact, this article uh, from Giroux cites a recent article from Barbara Ransby that we talked about oh, in yeah. February yeah. Um, with a really great quotation about the parallels of DeSantis's actions uh, and the actions of fascists from the past uh, and the present uh, across the world. So, um, yeah, I think this article does a really great job of presenting the different ways that DeSantis and others are doing this and, and the ways that this uh, has been a push from the state level yes. uh, in the wake of Trump losing the 2020 election. Yeah. So the focus of this energy has shifted from the sort of federal level, from the White House to the state level, uh, which means we've, um, we're, we're shifting where these things are happening and looking to what these individual governors are doing in Florida and Texas or what J.D. Vance gets name checked as yep. uh, somebody who's challenging the legitimacy of, of public institutions. Um, and he's a senator in Ohio. Um, these, you know, this concept um, that 
right wingers are, are pushing is that our educational institutions are somehow indoctrinating our children against the U.S. Mm. Uh, that, that's the concept. Yeah, uh, and it, it's the the funny part of this is there are lots of educators on social media joking because it doesn't sound like there's a funny part, but there is. Um, Lots of educators on social media are joking about how they can't even get their kids to read a syllabus yeah. uh, or to read assignment <laughs> instructions. But sure, they're they're indoctrinating the kids uh, to, um, you know, anti-U.S. values, whatever that might mean. Right. So, yeah, I it's 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 flabbergasting, really. Um, yeah. I I'm so glad you brought up the piece about education, really, and sort of the. Um, all that's happening like in Ohio and Texas and Florida around education. I think there's so much in this piece that, you know, when I read it and obviously we, I, you know, I know all of this stuff cause it's just in the news everywhere. It just makes you want to scream, right? When you think yeah. about the things that they're saying, the work that they're trying to do. Um, you know, I think about, um, I think the thing that really boggles my mind, um, the most when I think about all of this and all of this great history and context and analysis, as you say, that he presents in this piece mm-hmm. is, 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 everything that's happening to attack public education and higher education, right? And I, mm-hmm. that certainly has everything to do with the fact that I'm an educator, you're an educator, right? We, we work in higher education. Um, I believe very deeply in the mission and the power of higher education and public education for that matter, yeah. um, right? And so these these right-wing GOPers in these states enacting these policies and legislation to try and suppress learning, right? To, to ban educational tools. You talk about libraries, right? Like mm-hmm. to ban books um, that enable young people to learn about our real history. Um, all this work that they're doing really to sort of prevent the advancement of democracy and the free exchange of ideas, yeah. right? Especially in a, in a setting like a college or a university in particular, right? It's just so upsetting to me. Um, and so there's a paragraph that I pulled from the article that I thought really sort of said it all. Um, so it, Henry says this, quote, it's clear that the far right GOP has deemed education to be the most powerful tool for creating a public that is neither informed nor willing to struggle to keep a democracy alive. This is particularly evident in the right wing war on education which aims at replacing public education with charter schools, fashioning public and higher education into centers of far-right indoctrination, and destroying higher education as a democratic public good. Central to such an attack is a war on critical thinking, troubling knowledge, historical memory, and any form of education that addresses social problems. Extremists in the GOP fully embrace both white nationalism and white supremacy, while simultaneously supporting a culture and society in which the distinction between lies and the truth disappear. Mm -hmm. What they would also like to see disappear in their reign of domestic terrorism are the educators, institutions, and other public spaces that resist this ongoing tsunami of authoritarian ideas, acts of repression, and war on critical intellectuals, dissidents, and educators. Yep. I mean, I I think that was brilliant to write. And I actually don't think I really picked up on this idea of domestic terrorism. Like if we're really going to name what 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 this fascism is, what this is, right? Like domestic terrorism is a damn good descriptor, I think, actually. Now that I sort of sit here and sort of read that again. Um, But it just makes me worried about what our world, what our country might look like if Mm -hmm. sort of they're able to succeed in this, you know? Yeah, it's... um it's such a good description. And the way he lays it out in that paragraph is so um, concise and to the point yeah. and sharp. Yes. Um, yeah. And I think I think about the way that they've, you know, part of this attack also started with 
defunding public education for decades. Yes. Right. So that's there's an element of of that here too that I, I see that as a through line to this. Yes. Right. Um, yeah. So just you know, there's so many layers to all of it. Oh yeah. Uh, one of the one of the other pieces of this article that stuck out to me was this line from the section called "The Mass Production of Manufactured Ignorance." Yeah. Uh, and he says this. Quote, the far right endeavors to mass produce historical and social amnesia and manufactured ignorance. A passive and depoliticized citizenry is now coupled with an accelerating struggle to destroy any public institution that would challenge such efforts. Mm. Uh, and the point is that this is a long game. It is. Uh, they it want is. us to accept that they have the authority to ban books and criminalize the teaching of critical thinking and the histories of this country. Just want us to accept it, so that our kids accept that, uh, accept what they want to teach, um, which is a very limited view. It's it's right connecting back to the paragraph you read out. Um, it's a it's a war on critical thinking, on troubling knowledge. It's it's connected directly to white nationalism, white supremacy. Yep. Um, so you know we'll be completely depoliticized and unable to recognize the fascist actions that they're taking which means we won't be able to do anything about it because you can't <laughs> can't do anything about stuff you don't recognize. Right. Uh, this is about expanding their control of the people. So ultimately we won't think about what they're doing or question it or act out against it. Um, but they wrap it all up in this patriotic education bow as if it's a way to express pride in the United States by ignoring the stories of oppression and the stories of resistance against that oppression. Right. Uh, and therefore... Right, wiping that away from any of our sort of public uh, acknowledgement or, or public education uh, so that we can't do anything about it when they want to keep it going. When they want to keep it going. I see, I think that's the point, right? And I love mm -hmm. that you said, named it as a long game, right? Because oh, yeah. I also think the other thing that'll happen if we allow this to happen, right? Like if it happens for our generation, right? And then if we allow it to happen, it happens for our children, right? And then it just continues, right? So they are playing this long game. And you talk about how this started with, you know, education, right? Like, I mean, I, yeah, the, the long game of this is, um, is a tactic that they're using, mm -hmm. right? Um, a strategy. Um, and, and we have to really do everything we can to, to sort of name what it is and, and actively fight against it. So I love that piece. I love the long game. Um, yeah. Um, I, one of the other things that I really wanted to talk about, and I think I mentioned this when I introduced this piece, but I really appreciate the work he did to connect these attacks. So, right, like the attacks that we're seeing around the country on black people, marginalized communities in this country, um, and the sort of this war on public and higher education. I think there's so much in the way of clear evidence of that, right? Mm -hmm. And Henry present, presented so much of it in this piece. Um, but at its core, I think, is this notion of, the dehumanization of marginalized people in this country, yeah. right? Yep. Um, and so there's another great quote, so many quotes from this <laughs> that I highlighted um, that I wanted to share. So uh, the quote is this, at the heart of the dirty war being waged against marginalized groups in the United States is an attack on historical consciousness that not only connects the past to the present, but also provides in the memory work essential for understanding the repressive nature and structural forces at work in the war against black people, women, LGBTQ people, and others relegated to the category of disposable. Mm -hmm. The right wing's declared war on democracy is rooted in a politics of disappearance in which history is shredded and matters of truth, evidence, and moral witnessing are erased. 
Subjectivity is the material of politics, and uncovering alternative histories is not simply a pedagogical task, but a crucial tool in creating political agents capable of remembering the horrors of a past that cannot be repeated. And I, I, again, like mind blown, (laughs) you talk about sort of his ability to sort of be uh, concise and cutting in his analysis. I mean, You've talked about this before in the podcast, right? But that that erasure of people, that as mm-hmm. I said, that dehumanization of people really sort of gets me every time. And that's what's at the core of this. And so I love the way he uh, addresses that and makes the connections between what we're seeing um, in this country, right? Uh, yeah, we talked about this with um, As Black as Resistance. Um, uh, we talked yes. about it regularly when we talk about sort of prison abolition, like the way that we just find ways to dispose of people yes um and their humanity and their history and everything yeah and so there's uh there's the the projects and the processes that this happens in sort of interpersonally and and individually and then there's the collective way that it happens where we're gonna um remove all all traces of any kind of history Mm -hmm. um of of these people uh, because it's not essential to education as they see it yes uh and so it's um yeah it's a multi-front um project of erasure on Mm. of people yeah um yeah so um another great point that Giroux makes is is this he says quote there is more at work here than enforced ignorance there is also a culture of cruelty that makes social uh societal pariahs out of lgbtq youth while doing irreparable harm to their parents, teachers, and caregivers. This is unadulterated hatred hiding behind the fake respectability of the law. Ah, I'm so glad you brought that quote too. Yeah. And the, I think the fake respectability of the law, that phrase sticks out to me because of how much we are um, taught, we're educated, we're trained to trust law as a, as, as what is, uh, acceptable. Yes. Um, but we know that the law can be twisted and can be used specifically to be cruel. We yes. have, you know, elements of history that tell us that uh-huh. they don't want us to know that history. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the cruelty of all of this, um, is the point. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, there's only one acceptable point of view for Vance and DeSantis and Lee. Uh, and, you know, they're writing books about what that acceptable point of view is. And they're going yeah. out on tours um, to talk about that. Uh, and all of these radical right fascists, they have one acceptable point of view. Yeah. Uh, and anything outside of that is is uh, disposable. It's not acceptable. It's... it's um, yeah, and to make it clear that it's not acceptable, they ha- they have to be cruel. They have to remove the evidence of these of people existing. Yes, yes. Uh, and the cruelty is supposed to generate fear uh, in in uh, the groups that they're targeting and in all of us, um, so that we feel paralyzed, like we can't do anything about it, um, and and give them more space to to do more fascist stuff because yeah. we're worried about what that um, what their backlash will be when they come for us. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot to it. Um, I think that's so many different, 
elements of, of what, what it is they're trying to do. Absolutely. I mean, I think you're spot on about the cruelty and right. We also just talked about the anti-trans legislation, all of the anti-trans legislation that's popping up across the country. Right. And so that particular quote that you pulled talking about sort of the, um, the attacks on LGBTQ folks, I mean, it's cruel. It's mm-hmm. so utterly cruel. Um, and so this idea of being so narrow minded, right. And sort of presenting that as the only option right forward, um, is, is just unacceptable for yeah. all of us. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I think we've made some connections to some previous things that we've brought to the table here. So this feels like a good moment to maybe shift our conversation and, mm-hmm. and talk about application, right? Like how we're connecting the dots to other things, how we're connecting the dots from this piece to, to our work. And I don't know, I feel like I can't stress this enough. I think it's obvious in this piece and from our conversation and and all that we talk about that this war that's being waged on public and higher education is concerning and and troubling and just flat out wrong right like the i think the true mission and goal behind this war is for the right to control what students are learning in the classroom and to ultimately strengthen white supremacy white nationalism you know so that's the application here right like the the siren call to to really wake up and notice what is happening here and to yeah. see that um, the fact that it's happening and we can't let it happen. Um, and so, you know, it makes me think what are the ways in which we are calling out and contributing to organizing work against our political and educational leaders who are supporting these policies? Um, what are the ways we are supporting our teachers, right? And our mm-hmm. educational administrators in the States where these things are happening Um, What are the ways we are continuing to teach and expose young people to the kind of education we know is important, right, and that they need? So I think we have to ask ourselves those questions, do work to sort of get to those places, right, and and, and fight this war at all fronts in all the places Mm -hmm. that it's happening. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, that's right. And I think that there's connection to... It's public. It's higher education, and it's also like the way the political, the um, popular education, right? Like the the um, banning of books in library in public libraries. Yes. Um, and then the, when that um, hits a snag in the courts because you can't ban books in a public library mm-hmm. because of the First Amendment. Yep. Um, they just cut funding to the whole library system. Uh, and so that's happening in, in different places around the country. And I think that, that like, that's 100% connected to all this too. So I wanted to, when you talked about the war being waged on public and higher education, that's 100% true. And I think that they're, like the scope of that war yeah. is is also broader than like our actual schools. Yes, and the um, systems. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, that's a very good point. Um, yeah, so my actu- my application from this week is uh, yet another quotation from the article, um, quote, when the racist history of this past disappears and when educators who teach critical ideas are criminalized, structural racism becomes invisible and racist acts become individualized as a matter of attitude and faulty character. When racism is reduced to alleged self-inflicted behaviors, people blame themselves for the feelings of inadequacy, impoverishment, and alleged deficits, making it all the more difficult to translate and understand individually experienced acts of racism as part of a larger system of racial capitalism. Mm, And so all of this is happening in front of us in state houses and in governor's mansions. It's a, you could hear the echo of history in that 
quotation. Yes. Um, it's consistent. Yeah. Um, it is reverberating throughout our country right now. Yeah. Um, and they don't, they don't want us to hear it. They don't want us to see the patterns that connect their actions to the actions of um, the past, both here and across the world. Um, yeah. I love that. That's so good. I mean, I, I, I'm, um, I'm struck by how many quotes we pulled from mm-hmm. this piece. Yeah. Um, just because it was it was brilliant. So again, if you haven't had a chance to read it, please please do. It's so so good and really just a great analysis of what's happening here. So mm-hmm. um, thanks for that application. Yeah. Um, all right, homework. What do we want to do once we leave this table here today to keep this learning going? Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to read more of his books. I think uh, many of them. I read a lot of the uh, the titles of them. They sound really good. This piece was great. I, I appreciate his writing style. Um, so. Uh, couple of his most recent books include one called Pedagogy of Resistance Against Manufactured Ignorance, mm. right, which is all about, um, it looks to be all about the critical role that education plays in politics in, in this time of fake news and divisiveness in our country right now and, and how we might move forward from that. Mm. And then he's got another book called American Nightmare Facing the Challenges of Fascism. That's all about the rise in white nationalism and authoritarianism and, and their role in democracy, right? And of course, what we can do about that. So, and he's got so many more books. So, you know, I, I just kind of want to pick a few, start yeah. reading them. I think there's a lot to learn, again, from his analysis, his perspective um, that I'm excited to, to learn from. So, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. What about you? Yeah. Um, I think our homework this week is a collective group project. Okay. I think we have to find ways to plug into actions to stop this. Um, and so we've mentioned this a few times recently, but we all have some skills that we can bring to movement. Um you don't just have to donate money to the legal organizations that are challenging this stuff in the courts. You can get involved with groups that are doing political education on these things. Um, you can bring your skill set to that. You can go just to learn, too. Um, you know, you can join your local library groups uh, or join the school board organizations. Um, find ways to support educators in your local schools who are doing yes. like resistance work and mm-hmm. taking things um you know, uh, underground, so to speak, uh, in in how they're going to continue to educate students on um, all these things. Uh, Write your legislators to voice your opposition to this. Mm -hmm. Um, Show up to their offices if you can. Um, Make, I think we have to make their work inconvenient. Yes. uh, Because they can't act like they don't know people are unanimously in favor of what they're doing when we're a consistent thorn in their side about it. Absolutely. Um, And we also need some of us to run against these people too. Hey, they've got to be removed from office. They can't, they can't do this stuff and then get to hold onto their seat indefinitely. Right. Um, So I, that's not, you know, there's a lot of different aspects to it, but there's a lot of different ways to get involved. And I think, you know, find, we all have to find the thing that we are, connected to locally, mm-hmm. um, whatever that might be, and then find the thing that we know we can jump into and do doing. and yeah. and, um, and or learn to. Like, yes. you know, all, of, all of this stuff is, is, a lot of this stuff is learnable. Yes. Um, yeah. That's such a great list, my friend. I Thank love you. it. That's a good, that gives people a lot of options to consider uh, for sure of things yeah. that we can do. And like I said, things that, you know, whatever, wherever you're capable <laughs> mm-hmm. is where you can, you can get in there. So yeah. I love it. 
Uh, well, all right, my friend, you're up mm-hmm. next week. What yep. are you bringing to the table in our next episode? Well, um, speaking of of uh, getting involved in things, yeah, <laughs> um, I'm bringing a book uh, called The Radical King. Uh, which is a collection of essays and speeches by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, it's edited by Cornell West. And he writes this in the introduction, quote, although much of America did not know the radical king and too few know today, the FBI and U.S. government did. They called him the most dangerous man in America. This book unearths a radical king that we can no longer sanitize. Mm. Uh, and I think that this book is a great insight into the reality of a movement leader um, who believed that the U.S. faced three evils, racism, economic exploitation, and militarism. Um, and those are all things that um, if these right-wingers had their way, we wouldn't know about any yeah. of it. We wouldn't have access to this book. Uh, and so I'm excited to read a bit, uh, finish finish it up and uh, talk about it with you right here next week. I love it. It's it's uh, so far I've picked it up this week. So far so good. Um, yeah. So I'm excited to finish it and and talk about it too. Very good. I'm glad you brought it in our in our year of books. Yes. Right. Every month we're bringing a book mm-hmm. to the table. So I'm um, I'm very excited about this one. Very good. Um, all right. With that, we want to thank you for joining us today and for listening to Interdependent Study. You know what we want you to do here, but in case you have forgot, please follow, leave a rating and review, share our podcast with the people in your life, follow us on social media, including TikTok, check us out on YouTube, sign up for our email list, get notified about any new things we've got going on behind the scenes. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, it's not about us, but it is about us. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye.